You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattle Snake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy, and a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food and music and comedy and sports inside you. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the city where fracking fluid flows like sweet wine. I'm Jared Jacang Mayor. Joining me today at the Daniels and Fisher Clock Tower is my co-host, Josh Johnson. Hello, Josh. How's it going? And we have a special guest, Peter Marcus, reporter with the Colorado Statesman. I am indeed special. You, how much fracking fluid have you drank today? <laughs> That's why I'm so special. <laughs> I can tell you have that you have that special <laughs> glint in your eyes from all that all that frack fluid. It's a glow. It's a glow. <laughs> it's like a uh, uranium green glow. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so today we're our main topic that we really want to focus on is in the Colorado legislature. All of the bills relating to guns. This has been getting a lot of focus and attention nationally. And Peter is going to help us run down what these bills are, where they're headed, so that you can sound engaged and informed at your uh, dinner table conversation or at the local shooting range. Uh, but first, let's uh, talk about some newsy bits. First up is uh, DIA is under attack by bunnies, apparently. Uh, this kind of was published uh, by the AP and made the rounds of like the news of the weird that uh, everyone's impressed that Apparently, there's this rabbit infestation that's been ongoing there out at DIA, and they've all these little bunnies have been eating spark plug cables and other wiring for cars. And to stop the problem, uh, federal wildlife officials are removing at least 100 bunnies per month, while parking companies install better fences and build perches for predator hawks and eagles. Have either of you guys noticed all the the bunnies out there I've never seen a bunny. I have airport. never seen a single bunny out at the airport, and this story is new to me. So, and it's funny. I, I think it has something to do like when you pass like the the latitude into Adams County. There's just a shitload of rabbits yeah. up like in the North Metro area for some reason. You don't really see them down here. I think in Denver. Yeah, I think the influx of bunnies is probably all those UFOs underneath DIA. They're probably something to do. So with these that. like mutant bunnies. Maybe or? maybe some mutant evil bunnies. I don't Alien know. Alien bunnies. <laughs> They're breeding like bunnies. <laughs> the aliens. Well, it is. Uh, I know that even years ago, I went out there and I was looking at doing a story because a contractor was telling me how the havoc that the bunnies were wreaking just on the like the landscaping out there. How they couldn't keep any of the uh, every time they didn't you know plant grass or anything out, these voracious bunnies would just run in there and take over. But now they're installing a bunch of perches for predators and hawks and raptors to. And in the lurk, me- in, lurk around the parking area. In the meantime, we're told we should coat our wires with what coyote or fox urine. Yeah, so that's what it says. What's better, um, 
bunnies or that mutant evil demon sculpture? Mut- the oh, I think there's room sculpture. for both of them. You think there's room yeah. for both? Yes. Okay, fair enough. We have big hearts here in Denver. <laughs> um, another place that we have a big heart for is Shotgun Willie's, the longtime Glendale yes. strip club. Have you heard about this, Peter? I read the story. I did not know about it until you were kind enough to forward the link. Well, how excited are you? Because the, the kind of old and, and kind of run-down building that uh, Shotgun Willie's has been in there in Glendale, well, they're actually going to be upgrading. They're going to be erecting a new building adjacent to the existing existing one right there in that super target parking lot and uh the majority owner debbie matthews says that the new shotgun willies will cost about 3.5 million dollars will be slightly larger than the current club and will include more amenities with upgrades to lighting sound and food um and the it'll be about 10,000 square feet compared to the current 7,000 square feet so a lot bigger and it will even include a hidden stage and that will open up when they get busy on those really busy nights when... I don't know. I got a soft spot, spot in my heart for the old Shotgun Willies. Really? I mean, I like my strip clubs to be dark, dingy, old, you know? I, like, I don't really want amenities there. I'm old school. Yeah, better food. <laughs> really? Really? I mean... Yeah, I, would, I mean, I, yeah, it's lunch. Let's go look at some ass... And, hu- and eat a well, hamburger. That's what you go to the Diamond Cabaret where you can order a steak. T bone right. while right. while you're while you're getting your strip tease, which I've never at all understood. Like why it's like a businessman thing. I like you go and bus- you just eat. It could be a business meeting. Why not? It, it was JFK's favorite strip club. I was told. Really, Diamond Sh- Cabaret. Diamond oh, Cabaret. Oh, Interesting. But you know, the only time I was at Shotgun Willie's, Jared, was with you. Oh yeah, God, that was a long that time was a ago. Long time ago. Jesus. Yeah. We are we are some old shotgun willies. We walked. Scores. I'm just concerned. All right, so if they open this new one, will the limp shotgun still be out front? You can't get rid of that. Come on. You cannot. That is classic. That's a Denver landmark. So let's talk about this uh, this other story that made national news involving John Hickenlooper. He uh, about how how he told the Senate. Uh, a U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. They're in Washington, D.C. This wasn't here in Colorado, but he went there and testified on behalf of fracking and let it slip that he once drank fracking fluid with a bunch of Halliburton executives. Uh, Peter, you were actually watching this as it happened, as it streamed online, right? Yeah, I was streaming it online, um, and I had to sort of roll the tape back because I wasn't sure if I had just heard the governor actually say that he sat around a table drinking frack fluid. And, <laughs> and, and you said he, it slipped out, but it was actually a very deliberate comment. So, so what, what exactly did he so say? So he basically said that uh, some executives from Halliburton came to his office and uh, offered him, it's called clean stim it's uh the kind of uh, frac fluid that they use they say it's sourced from uh products from the food industry and therefore relatively safe they offered uh, the governor a sip and he took it sitting around the table in what he described as an almost quote ritual like experience uh they were s- sipping the fracade what, what was the reaction there from the uh well, senators and other people in the audience. Al Franken, um, whatever. I guess you can call him a comedian. Um, he he can't not be funny. Even yeah, when he's sitting there, looking exactly. Mis- very senatorial and serious. Exactly, just and it just like you could just see the wires going <laughs> off in his yeah. brain. <laughs> and he 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 started pushing the governor to say, "So was this like an occult, like a religious kind of experience?" And I'm paraphrasing, 
But, uh, you know, the governor then had to get kind of serious about it. He said, no, it wasn't. This was my, his point. And he had to clarify like a million times afterwards. He sent out a campaign email. to. He held a media availability, um, which wasn't to talk about that, but he did talk about that. And he said his point wasn't to – it wasn't a joke. He said that the point was that the industry is working so, so hard to uh, make this a safe process that they're even considering sourcing food products for the frac fluid. And if you know anything about the governor, he's a former geologist. Yeah. He's very cozy with the industry. Well, so. yeah, I mean, and he's been – and this is what's so angered uh, environmentalists here right. in Colorado is that he's you know, not just supportive of fracking and increased drilling, but, I mean, he's really at the forefront he's of his support. He's drinking the And he's drinking the, the Kool-Aid. And they, they've been joking about that. Literally. Like, that's, yeah. He actually has said this once before. This just happened to make national headlines. So they've kind of always been saying the governor's been drinking the frack aid, but, um, but this was like before a very official U.S. Senate panel committee um, to hear it, they just – pounced <laughs> and press releases came out statements all and that. you know when you first heard about these statements uh you know i guess it it was his his intent was to show how this was so safe but it wasn't like it was actual fracking fluid which had been in the ground no. and come back up it was no uh, it looks like water it looks like water and they had sort of brought it in. i mean we don't really know isn't that one of the problems with fracking Fluids is we don't always know what exactly is well, inside that's of a, these. That's the concern from the conservationists and environmentalists is that we don't know. Um, Colorado has a um, mandate that the uh, producers disclose the ingredients at a, on, on a website. Oh, I can't remember the website name. But um, there is a, a mandatory disclosure policy where they're supposed to list ingredients. Of course, where that gets complicated is they don't have to list quote trade secrets yeah the proprietary secrets, proprietary which is, secrets which would be like in clean stem if they're sourcing from the food industry and making this really you know clean product they don't want others to know how they're making it so it's it's not a hundred percent but folks can find out some of the chemicals and just dis- through disclosures josh would you would you try some uh, fracking uh, sure this reminds me of I was I was on a paddling trip in Moab one time and and the guide told this story about a mayor in Utah who was trying to prove that uranium is fine and wore a rock around his neck. <laughs> a uranium. Yeah, and then he died of lung cancer. <laughs> Massive tumor. I really yeah. shouldn't laugh about dying from cancer, but, but you know. I mean it's he he can drink it and all's fine now, but and he says I'm still alive. Well, well, well I see. mean the I guess you create your own destiny, right? Yeah, you do. It's funny cuz clean stem Clean stim sounds to me like a either some sort of uh, you know Orwellian <laughs> double think that's in some science fiction novel, clean stim, yeah. or it sounds like something that your doctor would prescribe to you because you have like a venereal disease <laughs> right, or something right. to clean you out. Yeah. Well, they are claiming that it would be good. I I don't know. I had this image of like the governor like with his frat friends like at like a frat party <laughs> doing shots, like <laughs> sitting around bomb. and be like, "I dare you to drink the frat fluid." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said it was a uh, it was a serious experience. Maybe so. we'll see a, a frat fluid themed beer coming. I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, maybe and maybe any any uh, listeners you, out there. You joke, but his when he sent out the campaign campaign email clarifying his first line was something like, 
despite what you may have heard, I much prefer beer to frac fluid. So yeah. <laughs> he was playing yeah. that up. Yeah, yeah. No, there definitely has to be a, a fracking-related microbrew out there. I'm sure there <laughs> concoct some some microbrewer out there, some craft brew right now is concocting it. Please, please, please let us know. Drop us a line on Twitter, on Facebook at DenverDieDrive.com. Even if you're homebrewing that shit, we will sit around and drink your frack <laughs> Frack fluid beer, but if if you actually got a hold of the frack fluid, I would water, drink it on. on you could, show. couldn't you just like I brew it? I suppose you a... could potentially brew and ferment some sort of a uh, frack beer. Oh man, we're I definitely. Don't know, I don't know how that would sell, but good luck. <laughs> on to something. Okay, well, let's move on to our main topic. Uh, a pretty big one: guns, guns, guns. It's a big topic in D.C. Uh, as I said before, Colorado is a national spotlight as pretty much the only state legislature that is moving so quickly on new gun restrictions. So all of the all of the controversy and ire nationally is being focused here in Colorado. Yeah, now that New York's out of the way, New York passed some gun control really like a couple months ago maybe that mm-hmm. made some headlines but at this point yeah I would agree it's totally spotlight is on Colorado. And I remember uh there was the morning when we were doing a podcast, and I was um, – I think I did a hate on how that very morning there were these reports about how Hickenlooper had uh, shifted his stance on gun restrictions and basically said, well, I will – I am open to new gun restrictions. And as I was saying that, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the Sandy Hook shooting was happening there in, in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. a- as I was – recording that at the time and it was just so amazing to me the timing that Hickenlooper had it wasn't um it wasn't in response to those shootings uh but you know the timing of that was was pretty extraordinary and lo and behold that opened the um the gates to these gun restrictions that um Democrats in the House and the Senate had been I guess gunning for 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 a (laughs) while despite any of these shootings but uh Peter, why don't you run through for us some of the actual measures that passed in the House last week? There's one about gun magazines, one about background checks, one about uh, concealed weapons on college campuses, and a fee, uh, just to inform our listeners. So what's up with the first one, the, um, the limit on gun magazines? Yeah, that's probably the most controversial of the four bills that have actually been introduced at this point. Basically, it started as a bill to... Um, ban what they call high-capacity ammunition magazines, not clips, for all you listening. What's the difference? Honestly, I can't even tell you. All I know is I got an AP directive that said never use clips anymore, only use magazines. Um, But anyway, uh, it started to ban 10 or more rounds. Um, It's since been amended to 15 or more rounds. Um, And uh, no, I mean, you laugh, but like... The quibbling over that number has dominated a lot of the debate. Um, now they want to try to push it up to 20 because that's what a lot of law enforcement officials walk around with. Um, but that, that's that been the most controversial because that's an outright ban on these magazines that there are literally millions and millions of them in circulation. Yeah. They don't even know, but just millions and millions. For about $3, you could go to a Home Depot and make a high capacity magazine. Yeah, well, yeah. There's can... also I was reading in Wired that there's there's a group that um, <clears throat> are leasing 3D printers and have successfully printed yeah. at home um, magazines. I saw that, and yeah. so you know, so the argument is that what they call, and I actually sat down with uh, 
uh, David Keene, the uh, president of the NRA, a couple weeks ago, and he called all bills such as this feel-good legislation. Yeah, right. Makes the legislators feel good because in the end, you're not going to be taking magazines out of circulation. You're not going to. Well, and, and it's also the quibbling over over a number. True. You know, it's. I mean, it's really it's kind of moot. But but, but at the same 10 time, or 12 you know, or, no matter how hard it will be to enforce it, because. You know, like you said, uh, James Holmes, the Aurora theater shooter, he ordered his o- online, right? Yeah, Isn't sure. that where he got yeah. his? But the, the, the horror and the shock of both of those shootings in Sandy Hook and the Aurora theater was because of the just sheer amount of efficiency that these killers could go in because they had so many, um, so many rounds in their magazine. But uh, we'll circle back around to this because okay. there is the um, – uh, the Magpul, the the magazine clip Indeed. maker in Colorado that's been raising a stink about this very issue. So that's the most controversial one. But this one, the next one about background checks seems to be the least controversial on me. It, to you, um, it's um, <laughs> definitely had a lot of controversy as well at the Capitol. Um, this is basically, we're talking universal background. Is that what we're on now or the fee? Uh, yeah, the required background checks for yeah. all gun Yeah, so this is the universal background check. And basically what it's trying to do is close a loophole in Colorado right now. You do not need to conduct a background check for private firearm sales. I see. So if you have a Craigslist sale, essentially, you know, you wouldn't need to do a background check. Uh, selling to a family member, a friend, a neighbor, something like that, you would right now don't have to do a background check. Uh, this bill would close that loophole and mandate that everybody no matter what sale and transfer um of a firearm you would need to do a background what are they looking for though i mean obviously like if you've had uh felony right yeah i mean the governor on tuesday night at a panel discussion pointed out that the state has caught 46 felons who foolishly tried to purchase a gun using the background checks but, you know, uh, the opponents are just going to argue, are criminals going to be lining up to do background checks? Yep. You know, is a father who's selling a gun to his son or transferring a gun to his son, are they going to go to yeah. through but, a background I, but check? It, but it's interesting because I've done background checks on people all the time. You just go onto the Colorado Bureau of Investigation website, and it's as long as you have their name, birth date, and social security number – for like six bucks, you yeah. can get background well, checks. I did them all the time. And these that... have to be done by an FFL, which okay. is a federally issued. Because they're looking. It's a. It's a Colorado. It's the, the CBI in... is only Colorado. Right. This would be looking at nationally. Yeah. Well, it would require you to do a background check that goes through the CBI, which accesses the Insta Check system, which is also federal. So, um, basically, it would. Basically, what they're trying to do is is get more people to go through these background checks. Uh, you do have to go to a licensed FFL, which is you, any gun dealer. Yep. Usually, any gun dealer usually can do them. But you wouldn't just be able to, like, at, as a father, if you're transferring a gun to your son, just do a background check at home. You would have to actually go to a licensed, authorized I see. So let's talk about this other bill, then, the one that would impose a fee for gun buyers to cover the cost of their background checks. How... How does it work now, and what would this actually do? Right now, there is no fee. Um, it's just part of your right as a Colorado citizen. If you lay down the 400 450 bucks to buy you know, a Smith & Wesson M&P-issued 40 cal Well, that just rolls off your, your tongue. <laughs> your, back, your background check is on the house. Yep. This would um, 
require a fee of about ten to twelve dollars. They're estimating um, to recoup the cost, and this is coming back about because there has been a massive jamming of the CBI uh, background check system uh, since uh, the Aurora massacre, ex exacerbated by the Newtown incident. Um, and people fearing, and this is nationally, people fearing people want new, guns. new um, legislation people. nationally and in the state are going to come around. And that actually it like overloaded the system overloaded. at the CBI, right? Well, federal law requires it, oh man, I think it's three days. I could be wrong about that. But it's, with, it's less than five days to, to respond to the background mm -hmm. check to get an answer. Uh, they're looking at 10, 11 days now. So this is actually <laughs> – caused the, the, the influx has caused the state to be out of line with federal law on the issue. And so they're thinking if we can charge a fee, we can have more yeah. resources to ease the And backlog. how upset are opponents about this particular um, They're pretty upset because this one goes specifically to Second Amendment issues. They're thinking you as an American have a Second Amendment right to carry a gun. You cannot charge a fee then t to require somebody to go th jump through the hoops to access your right so yeah uh the second amendment folks are uh they're up in arms so. I, have the, I have the right to own a car but i have to pay for registration annually for that yep you know i well, mean fees are just sort of part of the deal like it, i don't feel like it's in, in if, and if it's uh, only 10 to 12 bucks it's not like you know that's obviously what the democrats have been ordering uh, arguing they're also pointing out that if you have the $500 to lay down for a handgun, right. you probably could spend $10, $12 on a background Yeah, because check. right now the cost and the burden is on the state to actually pay for all of these background checks. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... It's so funny because, you know, the conservatives don't want the state to pay for anything. It should be the onus is on the individual, right? But this, in this really case... It's funny you say in that. In this case, it's, like, flipped. It's, it's like, no, no, the that. state should subsidize my background You are check. so dead on, because during the uh, debate, the Republicans said, well, I, 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 it didn't go through, but there was an amendment offered that would have, if you fell within a certain level of the federal poverty level, uh, there should be a subsidy. <laughs> I'm not kidding for your background check. And, you know, a lot of Democrats pointed out the irony, which is that sure. we're trying to expand Medicaid right now in Colorado, which has <laughs> Republicans just going insane um, because it's a entitlement program that right. they think needs to be cut. So, Well, and, and there's a lot of irony all around because the last measure of these four that passed was uh, – was one that at the state level would ban concealed weapons on college campuses, which has been getting kicked around in the courts for the past year or more because of the Supreme Court challenge to the University of Colorado's ban on guns on campus, which right. the Supreme Court actually said, no, actually, you can have guns on campus, but now right. they're trying to go and um, pass this The measure. Supreme Court was very clear. They felt that the CU Board of Regents was overstepping its authority by doing so, and, and they were clear, and Representative Claire Levy, a Democrat from Boulder, she um, is trying to uh, make it so that it's not ambiguous, so that the Supreme Court doesn't even have to rule. It's just cut dry in state law. This is banned on college campuses. Yep. And... Uh, She's obviously uh, receiving some resistance. So this, what this would do is say on any state college campus, so right. we're talking University of Colorado, CSU, right. um, what other ones are there out there, the major ones, you know, 
uh, community colleges, places like it, that. It wouldn't be a mandate. It would allow those universities to decide. I see. So uh, those boards would be able to – because the Supreme Court said those boards would be overstepping their authority by doing so. This bill would say – would create legal language so that they could enforce those, those bans. So I always I – always, and you need to clarify this for me. I always get confused when we're talking about concealed. It's just concealed. So if it's not concealed, you can still have it on campuses. Do you know what I mean? Like I think there's like some. Confusion. No, you're right. I mean, technically, you can open carry in Colorado. Right. Um, so as long as you have a permit. No, you do not need a permit to open carry in Colorado. Huh. So you go by the gun and you can just walk down the street. It's with it in your and hand. if you have it, it ha- strapped to your belt, it's only when it's, it's concealed. It's only and you need concealed. A permit. Really? You need a permit. Yeah, I swear to God. Um, I was driving into a family campground, and there was, I swear, the kid was 12, and then another child with him was probably like nine, and he's just walking down the road with his 45 in his hand, and it was the most frightening. Like, I wanted to duck down my windows when I drove past him, because it's a 12-year-old alone without parental supervision Wielding, literally. Well, pr- private businesses can, and like, for instance, Starbucks, there was like a couple years or so ago, a couple years ago, I can't remember, there was like a big rally by gun rights folks at a Starbucks. They had an open carry rally because Starbucks had said, we don't want guns on our premises. Sure. And they held an open carry rally there. But like Starbucks has said, we're cool. We don't need a bunch of guns in mm. our store. So yeah. they, but yeah, they, yeah. I mean, I don't, you raise a good point. Tech, see, the universities would be able to, though, with this bill, just do a ban on guns on campus. They're, okay. They're focusing on concealed carry because that's you know what most people do. But they could do a ban, and then in that case, it, even if you were open carry, you would not be able to. But right. The bill is crafted towards concealed carry. So. Yeah, okay. So let's step back a minute and look at the, at the larger picture here. The, these four bills pass the, the House. They still have to go on to the Senate. One of the things that's interesting to me is the reason why the, any of these bills or any of these measures have passed so far and look like there are several of them on, on their way to the governor's desk is because of the, the majority that Democrats now hold in the House and Senate here in Colorado – uh, which is pretty extraordinary considering that just uh, 10 years ago you would never have imagined such a, uh, such a large majority for Democrats well, holding both. this is all interconnected. So the reason the Democrats have a majority now is because Democrats did an excellent job last year. One reason, I should say, they did an excellent job last year of painting this uh, war on women by Republicans. Um, which is that there was all these rape comments from Republicans, sure. legitimate rape, you know, things like that, that um, raised flags. Democrats were smart. They turned it into a war on women waged by Republicans. Now the Republicans are trying to turn the table by saying it is a war on women by Democrats through the gun control debate yeah. because uh, Representative Joe Salazar um, he's a Democrat. On uh, Friday night, he made a controversial statement alluding to the fact that women on college campuses who are carrying weapons could feel like they're in a position where they might be raped when in the actuality that wasn't the case. They get scared. 
they pull out their gun, they pop off around, and they could potentially injure someone. He admits it was not the best worded um, argument. Yeah, but the but the uh, conservative punditry just uh, went crazy they, about it. I mean, I saw it everywhere. Oh God! And so so if I get it right, I mean, what they're saying is. Uh, that here's this guy Joe Salazar that says that what women shouldn't have guns because they don't know how to control the That's weapons what, when men do. That is what, and so, like I said, they turn the table on this war on women argument. You have now all these female re- re- Republicans and conservatives saying, "Oh, the liberals don't." think that women are capable of knowing when they're in a dangerous situation, knowing when they might be raped and are there and capable of defending themselves without injuring someone. So they've kind of yeah. turned, turned Well, it seems like discussion. Salazar's mistake was to even mention, allow the word rape to come out of his lips at all, he because that it. is just like... Yeah, you why know, would you... I mean, you would want to avoid that at any cost. He admits it. But, I mean, but he, he was responding to the right. arguments from conservatives saying that it's a safety issue for right. women on campuses, right. especially, you know, in CU Boulder, right. women, there's been uh, cases of rape, right. and that women don't feel safe, but if they can conceal carry, then they would feel right. safe, mm-hmm. and that he was he was just trying to make this really convoluted... It, it was statement. a convoluted point that, you know, maybe guns aren't the best form of self-defense. Maybe, you know, call boxes, rape whistles, you know, mace, things like that are better. Brass knuckles. Because if you make the mistake, uh, you're probably not going to kill somebody with those, is the point he was making. With the whistle? <laughs> with the whistle. <laughs> probably no, not. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> You get really close with that whistle, you never know. Popping your depends on, depends on if, the, if they're wearing a uh, crystal helmet. <laughs> there was actually a hashtag. Um, oh, God, I can't remember. It was like things liberals say. Uh, I can't remember. There was a hashtag that they started on Twitter that just blew up the debate. Um, you had the Michelle Malkins, yep. conservative bloggers from across the country, all honing in on Salazar's comment, posting videos, cross-posting, became a huge thing, made national headlines, thrust Colorado right back into the spotlight. And so even despite that, though, this is now – these four measures are, are going to be taken up by the Senate. Right. Do we know when and what do you, what do you see um, It'll go quickly because they've been trying to move these quickly. I, I don't – I don't know, actually. I haven't looked at the calendar recently. I don't know if they've been uh, calendared already for a Senate committee. Um, but um, I don't think they're going to have too much problem in the Senate. They're, they have a pretty solid, I think it's like a five-seat majority for Democrats in the Senate. And, um, you know, there was a few Democrats in the House who voted um, against the bills. You had Ed Hill and Liebskog and some others. Uh, there's like five in total who voted against, not all of them, but... And they, presumably they're coming from more conservative rural districts. Yeah. Um, be at risk. The background fee one was the one that most Democrats, um, that they had the most problems locking huh. down their caucus on because, I don't know, it's fee stuff, you know, Colorado and fees and money and stuff like that. So that could have pissed off some constituents. But, uh, I don't know, they're not going to face the battle that they faced. Now, now you, you... You also mentioned earlier that um, before we started taping that there could actually be more gun control restrictions um, being introduced. Yeah. What are we looking at? The most controversial of all the bills could still be coming, which would be a – it would create a liability on manufacturers of assault weapons so that if you buy an assault weapon 
and someone goes out and shoots up a bunch of people, victims' families could potentially turn around and sue the manufacturer of that assault weapon. Uh, conservatives and gun rights folks call it an effective ban on assault weapons in Colorado because what manufacturer would sell assault weapons yep. to a Coloradan if, you know, the possibility... Especially given our history. <laughs> no, I mean... You yes, given our history, why right. would you potentially sell a gun to somebody if you could get sued for a horrific incident as a result? I don't know how I feel about that. So, uh, well, and the reason the bill hasn't been introduced yet is because they still have to work out a ton of details. Mainly being that the bill would completely bring Colorado out of line with federal law, which specifically states that you cannot sue the manufacturer of a firearm for, you know, some... Yeah, how can, how can you hold a manufacturer liable for something yeah. like that if they followed all the laws? You don't know what the person was going to yeah. do with it. Law and Order covered this in season three. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> <laughs> there was a mass shooting. And, and what it, happened? Um, he didn't win. Sam didn't win. Oh. It was basically the, the manufacturer had a gun that you could easily modify with a file in under 30 seconds to make it fully automatic, Okay, which is banned in the state of New York. So this guy did this and uh, mowed people down, and so they sued the manufacturer. Like I could see how there you could ha- you could hold liability for the seller if the seller was the one who um, sold the weapon, and you could kind of create some connection that way. Yeah, the way, precedent but... with that would be over serving somebody, right? Oh yeah, the sure. Bars yeah, have a bar. liability yeah. if on your way oh, home. Oh yeah, perfect example. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so the reason and that bill would come from the Senate President John Morris. That's his project, and. Um, he hasn't introduced it yet because he's realizing he's come up against a bunch of. And so is that is that the main one that's uh, that would be, be the next most controversial, perhaps the most controversial bill if it is introduced. Um, and then after that, there's a lot of less controversial stuff. Uh, mental health bills will be seeing to deal with uh, mandatory commitments, um, yep. so it's easier for therapists to uh, commit somebody. If uh, Right now they have to jump through a lot of hoops. They're trying to make it easier that if, in their professional opinion, they think this person needs to go inpatient committed, that um, they'd be able to do so. Stuff dealing with transferring of records, data, things like that, uh, mental health history, things like that. Yep. Um, those will be less controversial. Some stuff dealing with domestic vi- handguns in the possession of uh, people who are convicted of so there, so there could be more coming down coming down the pike and s- some gun restriction bills are going to get passed during this session in oh, Colorado yeah. but a lot of critics have been saying uh, gun control advocates namely saying that the bills at least the ones that have been introduced now are just a bunch of lip service feel good bills that yeah. make lawmakers feel good but won't actually do anything to uh, limit. stop or limit gun violence. Yeah, that's what David Keene, like I said, told me when we sat down a couple weeks ago, um, was um, he called them feel-good bills legislation because they make the legislators feel good, but in the end, are you really going to stop some lunatic psycho who's got his heart set on recreating a violent scene in Batman? Are you going to stop that person necessarily from getting what they need to get the job done. I mean, in James Holmes's case, he had incendiary devices, bombs in his apartment. I mean, we don't see bomb control legislation because sure. it's illegal to make bombs in the United States, you know? Yeah, you, you know, and I, and I totally understand that argument, but at, at the same time, it's like, well, let's not have, let's have as limited amount of options to 
kill a whole bunch of people as that's possible, you know? Yeah. yeah, and that's the argument is that, you know, you ever – and I should absolutely mention her name because she's leading all of this is Representative Rhonda Fields, Democrat yep. from Aurora. This is her fight. She has and really And it's been her singular issue ever since she was elected because her, her son she, – she got into politics because her son – was it Jav- Javon? Javad Marshall Fields. Marshall Fields was, was uh, gunned down in sort of a gang. Uh, he was killing. a witness. He was about to testify in a case um, against these uh, guys who killed one of his friends, gangbanging kind of thing, and uh, they killed him. And him and his fiance. It was horrible. It was unbelievably horrific. And she, this was like 2005, and uh, she's taken up the cause. And now she has just got a fire under her ass. Well, it seems like right place, right time, because. This has always been the issue with the gun control debate in America is that it seems so frozen. The more the more of these tragedies that we have and everyone rushes and saying we have to do something about this, but we just seem so stuck nationally and in individual states. Uh, before we move on to love and hates, I want to get your guys' take on just the fact that this is happening here in Colorado. You can understand these bills being introduced in more typically liberal states in the – in New England or in the Northeast or California or something like that. But for it to be centered here in Colorado, a state, uh, you know, which into a few years ago was a reliably red state, which is still hugely split and conservative, which also has a big libertarian streak and a lot of support for gun rights. Why do you think this is happening in Colorado right here, right now? Is it just the Columbine effect, the James Holmes effect, or is it, um, a bunch of different factors that have all struck at the same time. Peter. I think that um, certainly Aurora sent it over the top and reminded um, these legislators that they want to do something, but this had been coming. Um, Representative Fields had been wanting to do this for, for a couple of years now. So, But yet- she has a reception. She could have wanted to do it, and it could have been shot down. I- exactly. I mean, is part of it, is part it, of it the blueness? I mean, with um, the part of it is the blueness. Part of it house, is dealing easy. with um, is that they want if that if Colorado can strike a balance, where in the West, see this isn't the a wild real, wild West. This isn't a Republican Democrat thing necessarily. You know, no. I just as many Democrats in this state own guns. Sure, you know? sure. This is a spirit of the West of the libertarian West. And we have guns out here, and don't fuck with us. And, like, if they can strike a balance in Colorado that can find appropriate gun control that balances the heritage of our love of guns in the West with, you know, more restrictions that help keep us safe, then Colorado will become the the model. And and, and it seems to me like that's why it's so – such a big issue nationally and gun supporters in the NRA are, are, are watching this and, and so opposed to this happening here in Colorado. If this was Connecticut, right, you know, a bunch of sissy liberal Democrats in Connecticut, I mean, you can sort of see the um, effect that that would have nationally. The, the rest of the conservative country could dismiss it right, a lot right. easier than it right. is if it's happening here in, in Colorado, which isn't so easily painted with that brush. But Josh, uh, in closing, I mean, what do you think about the, all the things that we've talked about and how Colorado all of a sudden seems to be at the forefront of, of this debate? Um, I'd, I'd love uh, your point about it, it being a test model because it, it has to find a balance. I always say, we've talked about this, I'm not the first one, I won't be the last one to say it, that guns really aren't the problem, I guess. Mental health, we have to address mental health. 
and we're not. And it's kind of just sad that, all right, we're going to have these make you feel good, you know, legislation go through, and we might be a model, but people are still going to. And so our society is as kind of sick, I guess, as it is, and we yep. don't address that aspect of it. It's what's it'll be, you know, something else next. And I will I will say that this show we focused on the, you know the politics and the specific bills that are happening here in Colorado, but of course a big part of this is the culture of guns um, in a, in Colorado and the U.S. And I think either next week or the week after we're going to have uh, writer Dan Baum on who uh, lives here in Colorado, but he was a former staff writer for The New Yorker. He has a new book coming out, a um, new nonfiction book coming out right now about um, men and guns, basically, is what I know about it. So he's going to be on and talk a little bit about that, and we can kind of maybe dig into more of like the culture of guns and, and why it is so deeply rooted in the kind of American experience and psyche. All right, it's time for our Love or Hates uh, Peter Marcus of the Colorado Statesman, what do you want to love or hate on? I'm going to hate. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hate on, and I know they're going to hate me for, they're going to hate me for hating. Um, the, on Twitter, we have a hashtag, COLEG, and okay. CO Politics. It's for the Colorado Legislature, Colorado Politics. It has been just completely taken over by everyone across the country who has something to say about gun control and we use that twitter had this isn't a commentary on gun control or the debate it's a commentary on i use that hashtag to find out information about what's going on within politics and the legislature bills that are up you know people who are speaking you can drop what you're doing and go find something to cover uh, yeah, that I can't sur- sift through the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gun. It used to be this like little insider hashtag that our, all the reporters, it was and our pundits here would they use. They stole it from us, so that's my hate for right, right now. Get off my lawn <laughs> on Twitter lawn, Josh. <laughs> um, I'm gonna love on something that's probably obvious to most people in Denver, but I made my first trip to the um, Mile High Flea Market. Ooh, nice! Over the weekend wow. and was. Thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. Did you find any guns there? I didn't see. Do they sell guns there? I don't it know. seems like a place that they might it sell It kind of does. I, I was mostly in the produce section, and there weren't any guns in the produce section. <laughs> so, and so the, and was, it's in the middle of winter, and it was still kicking? Yeah, there, it's, it was kicking. And it's, I mean, but it was also a nice day out. Um, but they're out there. They're out there every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. and get still. You can still get hatch green chilies fresh. Nice. Out there. Um, Did you pick anything else up? Um, just produce, tons of just tons produce. of produce. Yeah, I'm making a hot sauce right now, Ooh. so I needed pounds of chilies. But here's a, here's a tip: they charge three dollars per person, um, and you pay when you pull up in your car. If you put your girlfriend in the trunk, <laughs> you can save three dollars. Nice. So that is that's, where that's, that's I like, usually have hatch, hatch everybody chilies. that saves three bucks doing that buy me a beer. I mean, that's where I keep my girlfriend anyway. So <laughs> yeah. it's really I don't have to with shift the guns. It she's in the trunk. Oh, yeah, with the guns. she's next to the AR-15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, she has to protect herself. Sorry, yeah. baby. <laughs> All right, so you guys remember the show, The the Love Connection? Oh, well, yes. Yeah. Well, I have a love correction, and it has to do with <laughs> what you mentioned last week, Josh, about yeah, uh, right. um, uh, Bruce Randolph. Uh-huh. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because on Twitter, Marcelo Duran, at, at Guy Incognito, who is always holding us to task for all the little Denver trivia we get wrong um, from a from a very uh, uh, focused 
uh, Denver native standpoint, right. he was correcting you about the history of Bruce Randolph Boulevard. Which I haven't listened to my, my official statement, but yeah. I said I didn't know. Yeah. I said, I don't know. I think he was a civic leader or something, maybe in education. Yes. So I wasn't, I wasn't saying – all I was saying is that his, what I knew was that his nickname was Daddy Bruce. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and you, you – fair to be um, – mistaken about that because there's there's uh bruce randolph middle school as i think where you probably got there's bruce randolph boulevard and there's bruce randolph middle school i think there's like a bruce randolph community garden something like that bruce randolph wasn't in education but he was (laughs) he owned daddy bruce's barbecue right um there in five points for for years and years and years and his big claim to fame was that he would hold annually a thanksgiving feast for the hungry and the homeless so it's this you know, this little barbecue joint, but he would every Thanksgiving from like the seventies through the nineties would hold, would like feed like thousands, like 7,000 people. Where would he host it? Uh, I think that he would do it out of his, um, I think they did it in a bunch of different places every year, but he would do it out of his, his restaurant yeah. there. I think they would do it in, in, uh, city park. I know that he, he died, uh, like in the nineties and the, and his daddy Bruce's barbecue is, it's still there, the building, but it's just boring. Right. Uh, but now a uh, some kind of nonprofit d- still has the Daddy Bruce Thanksgiving feast, and they, so they host that every single year. And so it's it's still this ongoing tradition. And uh, I think it was Joel and Ron remembered that there's a Daddy Bruce barbecue there in Boulder mm-hmm. that closed down recently. That was his son. So that was. Bruce Randolph II uh, owned Daddy Bruce Barbecue. So that's Baby Bruce. That was that was Baby <laughs> Bruce, who was still like so old, yeah, even like yeah. ten years ago. I remember going in there. I'm like, this guy is so old. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so two uh, so two Denver institutions. How do, you, how do you get that to be like? Like, how do I get to be like Daddy Marcus? Like, how do, how do, <laughs> I don't like, know. What man. do you have to do so that I mean? Because I am so jealous. You have to. You have to make serve some up mean some soul food, fucking barbecue, else. man. No, because I am so jealous. Of My that, main man. point there though was that if it's bruce randolph which i live off of like why if he's known as daddy bruce why, why didn't denver just name it daddy bruce daddy bruce boulevard daddy bruce boulevard would be fantastic yeah and i also add i also want the i heard denver who there's they have an artist that does the street um name postcards uh-huh. um so I'm, I'm starting to lobby for the daddy bruce one. well we're going to be um interviewing mayor michael hancock here pretty soon That's so we'll actually throw that in there you can yeah. start your lobbying efforts yeah all right, guys. Well, um, we're going to wrap up for now. Peter Marcus, thanks so much for coming in and telling us all about guns. Pleasure as always. All right. So that's all the love, hate, and guns we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his Extended Play EP, and our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com. For more information about the Denver Die Tribe and any of our guests, check out our website, DenverDieTribe.com. Search for us on Twitter or Facebook, and please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. iTunes, that would really help us um, get the word out and bring other listeners uh, to the Die Tribe. I'm Jared Jacane Mayer on behalf of my co-host and guest. Thanks for listening. Haven't you heard the birds have the words Denver? High average income, roll like big spenders. Affordable housing, good money lenders. Low obesity, no need for suspenders. Check your calendar. Denver, Denver. Boing, boing, boing.